0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. About 6.7 million people in the U.S. have Alzheimer's. That's about one in nine people over the age of 65. And finding a cure or an effective treatment for Alzheimer's has proven elusive. But in July, the FDA approved a new drug called lecanemab that helps slow the rate of memory loss in people in the early stages of the disease. Our hope as a field
1: is that this medicine will be the first of more significant advances. This isn't the end. This is hopefully the beginning of the road to more effective and more potent therapies.
0: I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, we talk with Dr. Sanji Vashnavi, who teaches at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and is the Director of Clinical Research at Penn Memory Center. He tells us more about lecanemab, some of the challenges of curing Alzheimer's, and what this new drug might mean for the future of Alzheimer's research. I would just like you to kind of give us a quick primer. I think Unfortunately, we have all become all too familiar with Alzheimer's disease and know somebody or it's touched our family in one way. Can you just give us a quick explainer of how Alzheimer's kind of works and attacks the brain?
1: Alzheimer's disease is a slowly progressive neurodegenerative illness. What we've learned over the past several decades is that Alzheimer's disease actually starts with depositions of proteins in the brain years before people even have clinical symptoms. So there are certain proteins called amyloid and tau, um, which, again, a lot of people have heard about. Amyloid deposits in things called plaques or beta amyloid plaques in the brain, which is actually one of the first pathological signs of the Alzheimer's disease process. Later on in the course of the illness, people also get other deposits called tau, which are um, within the brain cells or the neurons um, in what are called tangles. So those are sort of the two proteins that we think about uh, that are part of the pathological process of Alzheimer's disease. As a result of these proteins, there is a cascade of other events which cause damage or degeneration to brain cells, which result in the characteristic symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, which oftentimes starts with short-term memory loss and can progress to more significant or severe memory loss and functional impairment, also known as dementia.
0: What are the big hurdles here that, that have made this so so difficult?
1: Yeah, there, there's a laundry list of hurdles. So first is identifying individuals with the disease. Um, So for for many years, we haven't had direct biomarkers of the disease process, meaning that 20 years ago when we were diagnosing people with Alzheimer's disease, it was based on clinical symptoms without any additional um, markers to confirm whether or not people did have these proteins or this particular pathology in their brain, because there are other disease processes which can cause similar symptoms as Alzheimer's disease. So first was being able to identify these individuals appropriately. Um, With the advent of imaging tools um, and spinal fluid tests and even in the future blood markers, we have ways of identifying people with this pathology. So that's one. Two is identifying, um, having an accurate clinical diagnosis, which again, there just aren't a lot of clinicians who specialize in Alzheimer's disease or specialized memory centers. So oftentimes people come to their primary care doctor and they complain about memory loss, 20, 30 years ago, it was just said, this is old age, this is what it is. It wasn't even considered a disease process in the past. Now that we have these biomarkers and now the, as the field has advanced, we clearly know this is a disease process. And again, there's been more focus on what can we do to try to help in treating the disease process. So even in identifying the individuals with the disease, um, both clinically and with biomarkers were initial steps to get us here. So once we have been able to identify these individuals, the question is, what can we do about the pathology? And the pathology is complicated. This is not sort of a simple disease process. This is a process which really spans 20 or so years, honestly, between the first abnormal deposits of proteins in the brain and significant symptoms. And we know bits and pieces of it. We don't actually have a complete understanding from the very beginning to the very end of the disease process in terms of why everything Thing happens. Um, so again, there have been a lot of challenges in terms of trying to find what is the right target we should be targeting? Where in the disease process are there steps that we can intervene on? And if we do intervene, how will it result in clinical benefits? So those have all been really major challenges in our field. So um, again, once we've identified targets, looking at amyloid, for example, which is the target that we're talking about today, um, we've been doing trials on on medicines to modify amyloid for 20 years. And again, most of those trials were unsuccessful until in the last six to nine months, we've had two successful trials for amyloid targeting therapies. But it's been a long road to get here.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this drug that the FDA recently gave full approval, Lecanemab. What does it do? You know, how does it approach the disease you know, this isn't a cure. This uh, helps to slow. Am I correct?
1: Correct. So, lecanemab is um, what's called an anti-amyloid antibody therapy. So, again, amyloid is that protein that starts depositing the, in the brain in plaques um, years before people even have clinical symptoms. So, what lecanemab does is it's a it's an antibody which is infused um, via IV every two weeks to individuals, and this antibody goes to the brain and helps the body clear out those amyloid plaques. And again, the medicine has been shown in the CLARITY-AD trial, whose results came out at the end of last year, um, in the large phase three trial, that the medicine is effective in helping to remove those amyloid plaques. And for the first time, that removing those amyloid plaques have some clinical benefit to go along with it. And you're right, the medicine doesn't stop the disease process. It doesn't reverse memory symptoms. But people on Lacanumab in the trial had a 27% slower rate of memory loss and similar rates of change in other functional measures. So, about a 20 to 30% slower rate of decline compared to people on the placebo. So, even though people do decline, even with the medicine, they decline at a slower rate. And again, um, that really is sort of Impressive, um, because, again, we haven't had anything which really slows the progression, um, like Lacanumab in the past.
0: It's the first time I think I've heard anything on the Alzheimer's front that has given me any kind of semblance of hope that one day we might be able to, if not cure this, control it. Like, how big is this, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think it is, it is a step. Um, again, it's not a home run. It's not something that's going to cure the disease. But I think of this in the way uh, I see how cancer research was five to 10 years ago, in that um, we really didn't have many effective therapies to prolong life for many different cancers. And then with the advent of CAR-T therapies and sort of newer technologies, we've really made significant advances. And our hope as a field is that this medicine will be the first of more significant advances. This isn't the end. This is hopefully the beginning of the road to more effective and more potent therapies.
0: You mentioned earlier, I think, that there were two successful. What's the the other one?
1: Yeah, So there is another medication called Denanimab, whose clinical trial results on the Trailblazer study came out um, in the last one to two months. Again, that has not been FDA approved yet. Um, so um, that is in the process of being reviewed by the FDA. Um, but the clinical trial results for that uh, medicine were similar in many ways to the results from Lakanamab. We suspect and hope that we will have um, more than one medicine, um, which targets amyloid available to us in the near future.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Sanji Vashnavi right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with the University of Pennsylvania's Dr. Sanji Vashnavi. So let's go back to focusing on This is. Good news. For the average person, how accessible will this be with regards to just being able to get it and being able to afford it?
1: Establishing exactly how we deliver and appropriately give this medicine is a process. As a field, we haven't done these kinds of antibody infusion therapies for people with Alzheimer's disease. There are a lot of systemic challenges um, in terms of getting this medicine to the right individuals at the right time. So it starts off with making sure we actually get appropriate diagnoses of individuals. Again, most Alzheimer's disease diagnoses are occurring at the primary care level. Um, They aren't seeing specialists, memory specialists, or even neurologists for the most part. So the question is, how do we make sure people are getting accurate diagnoses? How do we make sure this huge number of patients who have the disease um, gets to the specialists who have expertise in in diagnosing this at an early enough stage to benefit from these medicines. We know that these medicines are really beneficial in the early stages of the disease, people with mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia. When people are more moderate or severe, it's probably too late for these medicines to work. So one challenge is making sure we are able to diagnose these individuals and get them to the appropriate specialists early on. Once we identify those individuals, the question is, how do we deal with the volume of patients who are bec- going to be coming to the specialists, We don't have the capacity in, in the memory center or even in neurology to address all of that. So we need to be able to partner with primary care and use some of these newer tools and, and biomarkers to help us in identifying the people early on. The next stage is once we do have people who are appropriate, how do we get them the medication? This is an infusion therapy. It's an every two-week infusion. Um, again, if all the people with Alzheimer's disease who are eligible, which really would be in the order of millions in the U.S., um, get or trying to get infusions, there won't be enough infusion centers to do it. So there's a capacity issue as well. And then once you have people on the medicine, there is how do we monitor them? Because we haven't talked about the side effects yet, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, But there are some relatively significant side effects with these medicines. So we need to have a process in place for us to be able
0: to accurately
1: manage that.
0: You mentioned side effects. What are we talking here?
1: So the main side effects that we worry about with anti-amyloid antibodies um, are um, swelling or bleeding in the brain. And again, there's a term that's been coined called aria or amyloid-related imaging abnormalities. So there are really fancy ways of saying that there is evidence of bleeding or swelling in the brain due to these antibodies. Again, that rate is on the order of 20% um, or so in people on lacanumab. It's actually slightly higher on the order to 35% in people with the other medicine, denanumab. The good thing about it, if there's a silver lining, is that most individuals are asymptomatic. So really only 2 to 4% of patients will be symptomatic and have symptoms due to that swelling or bleeding in their brain. We detect it typically by doing frequent MRIs um, early on once people get on the medicines. But there are significant risks. So again, when we talk to 2 or so percent of individuals having symptomatic side effects, um, they may require hospitalization, they may require steroids. There have been a few deaths on these medications. Um, So it is something that we have to be very cautious and careful about.
0: We talked earlier about the access to the drug. With FDA approval, is this something that the average person can expect insurance to cover? Or is that still an open question?
1: It is a partially open question. So Medicare has announced that they are covering the medication. Most private payers have not as of yet. So most of the private insurance companies have either said they're not covering it or not made any decisions on coverage. Um, So I think that will still evolve. We know the sticker price of the medicine from the pharmaceutical company is around $26,000 a year. So again, with 80% coverage, we're talking about a few thousand dollars out-of-pocket expense. Again, given the MRIs, the cost of infusions, and the follow-ups, what we've been telling patients is that even with insurance coverage, it could be up to five to $10,000 a year. Again, with Medicare supplements, depending on sort of private payers, it may be less. But again, the expectation is there will be a cost, um, even with insurance coverage. It won't be as great as sort of the sticker price.
0: Is that a cost that we could expect to go down as, and I don't mean like we next week, I just mean yeah. as we as, can learn more and everything and everything come, and everything.
1: come yeah. in and um, this gets more established? I think the expectation is that may go down. One of the issues may be sort of determining what the duration of therapy is, which again is still somewhat up in the air. In Lacanumab the medicine, there really wasn't a clear end point for stopping criteria. With this other medicine, denanamab, the way the trial was designed, there's a little more data on that medicine in terms of when and how to stop. It. I think this will continue to evolve in terms of how long do people to be have to be on these therapies isn't completely clear up front. Um so I think that's something as we get more data we'll have more clarity on.
0: Is this the road in your opinion that will eventually lead us to if not a cure a, a significant way to handle alzheimers?
1: Yeah it, it's too hard to know. Um I think this is a it is a step it's a small step. Um I'm hoping that the next step will be a bigger step. Again a 20 30% slowing is it's important. It's meaningful. Um, but again, we really want sort of that that larger impact where we really kind of stop the course of the illness. And I, I don't think this is that step, but I think it is the first of hopefully bigger steps to come.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.